The choices you make and specifically the way you choose to see God matters. How you choose to interpret the circumstances of your life matters because what you choose to believe about Him is who you'll show others that He is. Will you choose to see Him through the eyes of fear and doubt or through the understanding of a God who not only loves us, but is love? Join me today as we learn to see Him rightly, as we learn to choose love. I am so honored, as always, that you would take time to hang with me for Choose Love. I am really looking forward for selfish reasons to what I'm going to preach to myself today. I don't know about you, but um, things have felt so like busy in my sphere right around me. And I'm not talking about just the normal kind of busy. I'm used to busy. I've had five kids and, you know, all the world that goes with that. I'm talking about the kind of busy that where your mind is constantly occupied with something and it's caused my heart to, I, it might be too strong of a way to say it, but feel a little more disconnected from the spirit realm and specifically from my conversations with the Lord. So uh, this last week, uh, would have been on Friday, we released our latest Up for Discussion, where Johnny and I discussed the topic of prayer. And we talked about the simplicity of what prayer is. It's just talking to God. It's that constant dialogue that we have with, with our Father, with Jesus, our friend, our, our Savior, the one who redeems everything. Um, the Holy Spirit who comforts us, who is our helper, who is constantly leading us and guiding us into places of truth and freedom. And this ongoing dialogue that we have with the Lord sometimes just gets um, muddied and drowned out. You know, that, that sound of I'm speaking and he's listening and he's listening and I'm speaking, it gets drowned out by so many other things. And to be honest with you, I am in a place where I am curious is just not strong enough of a word. I am so um, desiring to hear what is actually going on in the world. And my spirit is so anticipating something big and for so long now. If you've hung with me through Choose Love over the last two years, you know, like from day one, I've been telling you guys something huge is being birthed right now. And a wave of righteousness and justice is about to sweep the globe. And I just feel like on alert. And so for me, that means every morning, like my first thought is I wanna pick up my phone and go and look at, you know, the normal things like, have I heard from my kids overnight? Has anybody had any emergencies that I somehow missed? But then on to, um, you know, emails, and I do a lot of research through Telegram and different, different ones that I like to stay in touch with and hear from, because regular news source, you know, is just not, not accurate and reliable. So, I tend to like quickly grab my phone and of course, you know, I go on to, to connect with the Lord, but that's my first thought. 
And usually by the end of the day, I am so tired and wired. I just need to unwind. So I find something um, online to look at or um, just entertain myself with. My latest thing is, I don't know about you, but I, I don't do a lot of cooking, but I love the the, the British Bake Off. <laughs> so it's between that and I'll watch, you know, with some of the kids, we watch Survivor or um, right now I've been watching some of the um, America's Got Talent kind of stuff and those sweet stories of people that, you know, have waited their whole life for this dream to come true, you know, that kind of thing. And I end up just like, literally falling off to sleep while I'm watching that. That habit for me started when I was really young. Um, I remember when, um, probably after my mom died, I, I would, you know, we, it was a big deal because we had a TV that was portable. <laughs> so usually the TV back then was like the box that sat on the floor and you weren't moving it anywhere. So if you were going to watch TV at night, you were going to go sit in front of it. But we had eventually a small little black and white TV about this big. And it was pretty heavy, but I remember I would carry it to my bed and plug it in and, and lay in bed at night and watch. Um, uh, what did I watch? This is just, you know, irrelevant, but I think it's interesting. Um, what's the, oh, Fantasy Island, the plane, the plane. <laughs> um, and... Oh, just different stuff like that. Um, Gilligan's Island, all of that. So I would fall asleep watching something, you know, from pretty young. And so it's a habit that that I, I really got used to, to just kind of numb myself out before I went to sleep. And I have found myself doing that again. So I'm starting off with this conversation with you to say, I am committed for, I'm just... I'm going to be realistic and I'm going to say for one week until I am back on here with you again, I'm going to take a week and I am not going to watch something in order to fall asleep at night. And I'm not going to immediately first thing in the morning, grab my phone. I'm going to embrace the stillness. And in that place of stillness, I just want to, um, quiet and calm the wind and the storm around me that I know is going on in the world right now. And I want to just hide myself and um, tune my spirit into the Lord last thing before I go to sleep for the night and first thing in the morning before I begin my day. So I want to challenge you. Would you join me in that? And if so, Feel free to, you know, comment below and say that you're going to do it or give a thumbs up. Um, and I think it would be great for, for us to all do that together, especially after you hear what I want to talk about. So the word today that I'm that I'm wanting to focus on is the word still, S-T-I-L-L. And if you're from the South like me, it's, it's not just one syllable. It's two syllables, still, <laughs> still. And... I want to look at this word today in, in two different um, ways. One is the way that we talk about still as in remaining, like, um, do you still love me? You know, yes, I still love you. Ongoing, it hasn't stopped, it remains. Um, and then, of course, the word still as in to quiet something or someone. 
So Jesus, he stilled the storm. Um, we know that, um, I'll get into it in a minute, but we know in Psalms that we're told to be still and know that he is God. So there's something that happens in this place of stillness. And it's interesting how it actually connects to the first way that I said the word, um, to still do something, to remain consistent, not to stop. So first thing I want to do is just look at the basic definition of this word. Um, and then I want to get into a few scriptures and then pray with you. Still, not moving or making a sound. For example, still waters. He leads me beside the still waters, waters that are not moving. They're not making a sound. A deep silence and calm. Uh, we would say, for example, the still of the night, the, the darkest, quietest time of the night when everything is still. Uh, another definition, an ordinary static photograph single shot from a movie. So you can, if you're in the movie industry, then you know this, you can take a still from a video or a series of um, shots and just pull out one moment of time and it's called a still. Um, and then up to and including the present or time mentioned. For example, you still live here. So it's up to and including the present. So it's past, up until now, including the present time. Um, it can mean nevertheless all the same. For example, he's crazy. Still, he's nice. <laughs> it's kind of like saying yet or nevertheless. He's crazy. Still, he's nice. Um, and then make or become still to quiet as I said before, Jesus stilled the storm. So to make something go quiet is to still it as, an, as a verb. Um, another is um, remaining in a place or at rest, motionless, stationary, to stand still, free from sound or noise, silent, hushed, free from turbulence, peaceful, calm. The opposite, I like to always look at, you know, when you're delving into a word, Look at what the opposite of it is. It just kind of further hits home what the definition is. So the opposite of being still is broken, agitated, changeable, moving, stirred, unquiet. So in the light of all of these many different ways to look at this word, I want to go into a few scriptures and let's just see what, what we draw out here. Um, Genesis 18 is a chapter that should be familiar to you, but in case it's not, it's where um, Abraham and Sarah are doing their thing. They um, have heard of what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and three angels, and one I believe is an angel of the Lord, came to them, and I can't tell at what point did they realize they were, they were it was an angel of the Lord or angels. At what point, <clears throat> excuse me, did they realize that it was a supernatural experience? Or did they really think this was just three men up until a certain point? I'm not sure. But in verse 22, it says that the Lord himself went toward Sodom to see the evil. So they had a conversation with Abram 
And in this conversation, they um, made some some statements. <laughs> One is that, you know, Sarah in her old age is going to have a child. And it caused Sarah to laugh. And, but it was the same conversation, the same conversation they were having about the incredible future of really what, what became the Israelites that would go into the promised land. Um, here, they're also having a conversation about what's going on. The evil in the world at the present time was at its height in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, horrible, horrible perversion at the time. And here they said, we're going to go and see the evil because the that level of evil has risen up as a cry before God, and it has to be dealt with. And yet, again, in that same conversation, they make this amazing radical promise that seems too good to be true, that, that they would have a child even in their old age, when they're beyond childbearing years. And uh, the question was asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to connect it to the word still in just a second. Um, and again, Sarah laughed after hearing she would have a child. In verse 23, Abraham asked, this is the conversation about Sodom and Gomorrah. Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And that's when he goes on to say, if there's just 50 that are righteous, will you spare the city? If there's just, uh, gets down to 10, if there's 10 righteous, would you spare the city? And of course, the heart of the Lord, as it was communicated through the angel of the Lord was, yes, if there is, you know, even just a few righteous, we will spare the city. Um, and it's interesting to me that in the same conversation, this random word, it says that the men walked towards Sodom after they had all this conversation, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So I'm like, why do they put the word still in there? Because it should have just said, you know, Abraham didn't go, but they did. But it says, Abraham still stood before the Lord. And I just, you know, this is this is a, an application for us today. It's not what the scripture is actually talking about, but it is kind of a prophetic picture of where I think we can all identify with where we are right now. We're in the midst of this conversation with the Lord about the evil in our generation and ultimately about the knowledge of God. Are you the kind of God that just lets this keep going on and on and on without doing anything about it? And in dealing with evil, do you consider the righteous? Do you do you have us in mind? Or is this just, you know, a blanket across the board sweep, get rid of all evil and it doesn't matter? You know, we know from the New Testament, the heart of our Father is the wheat and the tares grow together. Why? Because his heart is that the wheat 
would not be damaged if the tares were pulled up at the wrong timing or in the wrong way. And so he allows them to grow up together until. There's always the until with God. And I just, I love what this shows us about him. God is so, um, he, he's able to deal with all of us, all, the, all of his creation, sons and daughters of his that are intimate with him, sons and daughters who haven't chosen him yet, who are in rebellion or, or lost. And then those that have so partnered with evil, they have given themselves over knowingly to the evil one and everyone in between, plus the rest of creation itself. God looks at all of it, and he looks at us on top of all of that as, as cities and nations, regions. Um, it's, it's just fascinating to me how he can do all of that at the same time and make just righteous decisions on our behalf. And we have to know that. We have to, to resolve ourselves to that truth about who he is and how he is just to even get through, you know, life. Um, so that you do choose to anchor yourself in him. You're not going to anchor yourself in someone and something that you don't trust. And so I, I pray that that you've resolved that within yourself. But so it's interesting how Abraham still stood before the Lord. So with this all on the horizon and his very future at stake, his personal future, like we're going to have a child like, I have a future, I have a destiny, I have something. You have something yet for me to do that I cannot possibly pull off myself. And somehow it all connects with what's happening with your dealings with the evil in the world. And it connects to the bigger picture of the kingdom of God continuing to advance in future generations. This is the conversation they're having. It's so all-inclusive, all-encompassing. And I think the most profound part about it is that Abraham still stood before the Lord. He didn't let any of this throw him off of his primary focus, which was the Lord. And that's... um I think that's the heart of what I want to share with you today and what I'm preaching to myself. Come back, reel it back in, all the noise, all the, the conversation, even good conversations with the Lord and with each other about what in the world is happening and how is God dealing with it and and, and the timing of our own personal um, destiny and how it's going to play out and the part that's just too big for us to pull off by ourselves all of it, like, like that's over here. And I'm going to continue to have conversations about it, but I'm going to still stand before the Lord in a place of stillness. And so let's get into the place of stillness, that aspect of it. So our knowledge of the Lord is growing because of all that's going on here. And we're going to see it all play out. But meanwhile, we're going to still remain before the Lord. Our primary focus is and always must be him above even what he is doing. So um, before I get into 
some verses in Psalm. I want to connect you with another story in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 14. Um, you have, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of it, but you have Moses uh, and they're battling. I should, I should have given more of the details of this, but anyway, it's one of the battles, right? And he's telling the Israelites, um, I believe this is a time when they've already left Egypt and yet they are, I think this is right before they're crossing over the, the Red Sea and it parts. Um, is it the Red Sea? Yes, the Red Sea and it parts. And he's telling the Israelites, do not be afraid. Verse 13, Moses said, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses in response to that, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Okay, that word still in that original Hebrew is yasab, to place anything as so as to stay, to station oneself, take one's stand. So there's a part of this remaining before the Lord, staying focused on him above even what he's doing. We still are aware of what he's doing. It's okay to be aware, but but to still keep our primary focus on him and to take our stand. To take a stand means I'm not moving from where you have told me to remain. So he's telling them, he's telling the people, Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So position yourself so that you can see what the Lord is going to do. Yes, there is an enemy. And yes, you're going to see him, see the enemy today, and then you will never see them again. So we're acknowledging what's happening over here, but we're saying, keep your eyes on the Lord because what he is doing and what he's about to do, you don't want to miss. And you can miss it. The implication is you could miss it. You could keep your eyes on how it all plays out and miss what he is actually doing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish. So, and then he goes on to say, the Lord will fight for you. You will hold your peace. What does it look like to hold your peace? I think it's just interesting, the two words, hold your peace. Hold is like you're, you're grabbing something. You're not letting it go. There is some action on your part. Um, it, it reminds me of the scripture, labor to enter into the rest. You're holding on uh, to your peace. When we are driven by the wind and the storm, it's hard to find that place of stillness and peace. And it's in that place of stillness and peace that we can actually see by the Spirit our Father. And, and perceive where he is, what he's doing, what his heart is, 
is um, wrapped around at the time, you know, to, to enter into where his heart is engaged. Um, and so there is a, a holding. And that's why even like, I'm, I'm a person who's very slow to do things that feel like I'm performing. Like I'm, I'm going to be super slow for me to fast or to commit to like a certain regiment of prayer or something like that, because it, it pushes me personally over into a performance mode that I've, that I've really, um, had to submit to the Lord in a specific intentional way to not be a person of performance rather than a person of relationship and grace. And so, um, what was my point with that? <laughs> my point with that is this coming week, my commitment to saying, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to consciously choose to be still the last thing of the day. And the first thing of the day, um, is to me, not a performance. I'm not trying to make something happen or convince God to meet with me in a certain way or whatever, because I, I, we're too far along in our relationship for me to try to, you know, manufacture that. But I do feel that it's part of laboring to enter into that rest. It's, it's an intentional way that I can hold my peace so that I can be still and see the salvation of the Lord and see him fight on our behalf. I don't want to miss what he's about to do because I'm so focused on what it looks like on this side of heaven. You know, he, he from the throne is accomplishing things and they eventually trickle down and play out here on earth. And that's the part that I'm so obsessed with seeing right now, right? Um, but this, this interesting response that, that God had to Moses was, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. There's still a moving forward and nothing that I'm saying has, has anything to do with, um, you know, getting lazy and, you know, there, there is action. We are called to places of influence and love actually looks like something and truth um, is truth, especially when it's heard and received. So there is a way that we can continue to use our voices and communicate truth in the midst of so many lies um, about what's happening in the world. All right. So from that story, my takeaway is um, basically like, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hold your peace. It, it is an encouragement for us to, if we want to live disconnected from fear and connected to love, who is a person, our father, then we're going to have to remain in a place of stillness. We're going to have to still stay still. <laughs> okay? Still stay still. Stay still and still stay before the Lord. Little play on words there. Okay, Psalm 4-4. Here's some of the scriptures that I wanted to leave us with. Psalm 4-4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. That's a powerful um, tool right there. Stand in awe and sin not. All right, so 
sin, remember, is just basically doing something our way instead of his way. It is um, sometimes willful, sometimes not knowing. It's missing the mark, and the mark is perfection and holiness, okay? So um, as it relates to standing in awe, if we are, um, you know, not to belabor a point, but if I am so busy, busy, busy trying to figure things out and, um, you know, perceive what's the next thing that's going to happen and when it's going to happen, I feel like that is some level of missing the mark because the mark is his holiness. Yes, we have to acknowledge sin and call it what it is. And we're, we're in a generation right now where, where evil is being called good and good is being called evil. And we have to make a stand and be clear within ourselves and clear with what we communicate. Um, what is truth and what are the standards? They're not just standards of trying to make this all-knowing, all-powerful God happy. Not at all. They're the standards of he loves us so much that he said, this is the way you're going to function best and experience the most out of life and the most freedom while you're on this planet is if you do things according to how I originally intended you to do them. And so we miss the mark, obviously, but when we stay so focused on all of that, the fact that we are missing the mark, um, we're, we're not able to stand in awe. We have to see him and perceive him to be able to be moved by him, to be able to give an authentic, wow, God, you're so good. You're so amazing. And I, I have such a core value, and I, I pray that you do too, for authenticity. I just want what comes out of me to be so real and passionate and true to my heart. Yes, there are times where we have to, through gritted teeth, I love you, God. I choose you. I'm not feeling it. But but I don't want that to be my normal with him. I want my normal with him to be so um, truly connected where I'm the equivalent of I'm, I've, I've got his gaze and he's got mine. You know, like I can't look away, even though everything else is so fascinating and interesting and scary and distracting and all of it, I'm locked eyes with him, the lover of my soul. So that standing in awe is an invitation. And here's how we do it. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. You know, I think one of the reasons why we tend to want to just fade out at night and not engage our heart last thing. And maybe some of you are great at that. And you have a lifestyle of just finishing out the day with just being in the presence of the Lord. And you fall asleep that way. I am, that's not my norm. But this week it's going to be. And in that place um, of being still. And you, you, you tend to, uh, let me just say it this way. If I ask myself why. I would tend to do something like watch TV or read something before I go to sleep. It's because I want to occupy my mind. Why do I want to occupy my mind? Because I don't want my mind to go to the heavy thoughts of the day and of the things that 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 have stressed me out or 
that if I got still long enough, I might start worrying and get in fear. And then how am I going to go to sleep? My mind is racing. Um, but this says the key, commune with your own heart. You don't do it alone. Obviously, you, the implication is you do it in, in that place of standing in awe of him. Okay, I'm standing in awe of you. Now let's talk about my heart for a minute, you know, and, and let the Lord address your heart reassure you, let the knowledge of God, who you know him to be in that moment, converge with the stress and the, the fears of the day and put them to rest. So commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. And the stillness is what comes from communing with your heart as you stand in awe of him. Uh, Psalm 46 verse 10 be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I love that that's, that's there together. On the one hand, you've got this most intimate statement speaking to us individually. Be still and know that I am God. Okay, you're still and you're looking in awe of him and you're, you're remembering and refreshing your heart on the fact that he is good and he's for us and he's not against us. And you let that love that's coming from him all the time just hit its mark in your heart and you receive it. And as you do, there's a reassuring from him of the bigger picture. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. He's saying, be still, you know that I'm God. And in that knowing for you personally, I haven't forgotten. I'm not just the God of the one. I'm the God of the earth. And I am dealing with the heathen and the evil. I will be exalted in the earth. And so in that place, it brings us to a stillness. Psalm 84 verse 4, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will be still in praising you. Um, you know, one of the things that I also use to kind of occupy my mind and heart that's definitely better than, than uh, entertaining myself with a cooking show <laughs> is worship music. I mean, worship music can literally be used the same way. It is better in that it's steering your heart. It's steering your focus and attention towards the Lord and his presence based on whatever you're hearing in the worship song. So it's a good choice. But I believe there is a stillness that's even beyond worship music. There's a stillness that's even beyond getting into the word and scripture as vital and important as that is. There is a stillness that comes in the silence. Maybe it's even beyond all the thoughts and it's just breathing him in, you know, literally just being with him. I think sometimes the new age people are better at that than even we are. And I believe that the power that is in that stillness of just letting everything go, no worship music, just being with him, there is a stillness in that that can only come in silence. Um, and that there's a praise that I believe that that is offered up in that. It says, they will be still in praising you. 
It's that Selah, S-E-L-A-H, that's all throughout Psalms that David himself, who was a musician, a singer, he wrote, he had all these words that just constantly came out of him. But even David had Selah of just, just be still and silent before him. And in that is a, is a kind of praise that is um, that only comes in stillness. Mark 4, verse 39, it's the story where they're in the storm. The disciples are freaking out. And, you know, we can relate. We are in a storm right now. I don't know. I have sensed um, that the storm is going to get a little worse before it gets better. I think that's right. But, you know, I'm like all of you. I'm... I'm I'm trying to Holy Spirit speculate, right? I don't think any of us hear like audible voice of God. So even if you do, rarely does he give you timing. So we're in a storm. Storm may be getting worse. And I just feel like the Lord wants us to remember his words, Jesus's words to the storm. And the storm obeyed him. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And that same authority that he spoke with, he gave to us. And I believe that, that you know, there's big picture things that he's doing. A storm is required. You know, the, he is, there is a level of judgment that is happening in the earth right now um, for those who have partnered with evil. And we're going to feel it. We're going to feel the ramifications of it. We're also going to reap the blessing of it in the end. But... I believe that there are aspects to the wind and the waves and the storm that impact us personally that we need to remember in the midst of it that we can speak to and we can say, peace, be still. And it not shut down the whole thing God's doing. You know, I, I think that um, that we're going to see supernatural miracles on our behalf as this storm um, rages and finishes up. And leaves us in a place of ultimately big picture, greater peace in the earth. But in the meantime, we can speak to the storms right around us. Um, and the last scripture I want to leave you with, Ruth chapter 3, verse 18. So this is uh, the story of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. Um, is that her name? Naomi? Naomi? I think so. Um, and of course, Ruth's husband died. And she's with her mother-in-law. Her father-in-law had died and she chose to stay with Naomi. And, you know, they're out of food. They don't have any kind of provision for themselves. And they go back to the land they came from. And Ruth, um, it's so symbolic of what's happening right now. But Ruth is, is in the process of, of learning the faith of her fathers, her her uh, father-in-law, their faith. And she takes on their faith and she's looking for her kinsman redeemer. And they need practical help as well. So she goes into the field where Boaz is and Boaz is a kin of hers and has the potential to either say yes or no to taking her on as his wife which would mean provision for her and for Naomi. Um, and so she goes, she gleans in the field. She just takes a little bit of the wheat from the corners, which is customary for back then for people that were poor. You leave some extra wheat so they can take it. 
but she ends up staying at the feet of Boaz. Okay? It's that that picture of stillness before the Lord. It's the picture that we started off with where Abraham still stood before the Lord. And she positioned herself at the feet of Boaz, her potential redeemer. And goes home the next morning before Boaz even wakes up and um, tells her mother-in-law everything that just happened. She came home with some wheat. And I think um, at this point, he had actually left a whole lot more wheat for her. So she came home with like way more wheat than she was supposed to even have. Plus, she had had the opportunity to stay at his feet. And here... The mother-in-law says, sit still, my daughter, sit still. There's that stillness. Sit still, my daughter, until you know. Sit still until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest, speaking of Boaz, will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. So here is, you know, it's kind of like having done all stand, Having done all, we're doing our part, we're, we're active where we need to be, but we continue to come back to that place of stillness with our focus, our primary focus being on our God. And in that place of our focus being on our God, we can be still, we can sit still on the inside. Even when we have to go about our day and do the things, there is a stillness that we carry with us because we got it in his presence, we carry it with us and we can rest in the fact that he will not rest until he accomplishes what he has set in his heart to do. We know that his heart is to advance the kingdom, his ways in the earth. It's that simple. And so there's no retreating, there's no going backwards, it's all only forward. Um, But there is resistance. Obviously, the story of Ruth turns out, not only did she get the wheat, not only did she get ownership of the field itself, but she got her kinsman redeemer. She got the lover of her soul, her husband, and that intimacy and that relationship. And so I believe that we are in that harvest season right now where there are many that are that are waking up to the reality of Um, we do have a kinsman redeemer and he is redeeming all. And um, not only are we, we're not satisfied, just like Ruth, we're not satisfied with what comes from his hand or his field. We want him. We want him. And and I just feel the Lord like um, inviting us to just recenter our heart back to him. There is the chaos going on around us. There are important things playing out um, alongside of us. But the storyline still remains that we have a God and he is everything to us. And he has our full affection, our complete attention. So um, I'm going to pray for us. And again, I just challenge you to consider what what would stillness look like for you this coming week? How can you still your heart, steady your heart before the Lord and refocus your primary attention being on him?
Father, we thank you for who you are to each one of our hearts, and we thank you for who you are to us as your bride. We just say that we love you. We need you unashamedly. We are desperate for you. This generation, those that we represent, we are desperate for you, God. We don't even know the depths of um, rescue that we need, but we sense it. We feel it. We are even to the point of distracted by it. And, and I just want to say before you, Father, I don't want to be distracted by it. I, I want to be able to give like you do my, my full attention as it's needed to what is happening around me, but, but, but more than anything, my full attention to you. I want to find once again that place of stillness in you. And I want to still remain before you like Abraham did, even as you deal with Sodom and Gomorrah of our, of our generation. I want to still stand before you. You're it. You're everything. You're the source of it all. Everything good, everything right, everything that is pure and holy and worth our, our yearning for it. It's all found in you. So, so we look to the source of where it comes from, knowing that the implications to our generation are, are limitless. They're huge. Knowing that the implications for our personal destinies are huge. You, you, are, you are stirring up within each one of us a, a, an ability to believe that we might just have a calling that looks impossible right now that you are going to pull off on our behalf. And like Sarah, we laugh. It's just, it's at times unbelievable. But um, with you, all things are possible. There's nothing that you cannot do. So our eyes are on you. We will stand still and we will see the salvation of our God. And you are our God. We are your people. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right. See you next time on Choose Love.